You're listening to Around the King's Table, a podcast of the Mount Church in Clemson, South Carolina, with Pastor George Marshall and Pastor Brian Mann. Pull up a chair and listen in as they seek to serve up biblical dialogue for building disciples of Jesus. All right. Well, let me welcome you to this episode of Around the King's Table. I'm Brian. I'm George. And today we want to have a discussion on discipleship. Here we go. I'm a new Christian, George. What are my first steps in discipleship? Find a body. Uh, (laughs) Find a body who you can experience the word through, um, that you can hear the word preached but also hear it expressed in other ways through through yeah. other <clears throat> parts of the body. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be the first thing. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, you know, put yourself into the word. Um, but the caveat, just you know, it, it's not really about just sitting there on your own and reading it until you get it. Yeah. It is really experiencing the word fleshed out in community. Yeah. Um, so well, in real life, that's the like, place to start. You know, the first, one of the great marks of of, of a Christian is. Was a, I think for, you know, it's been Calvin, it's been Augustine, it's been many throughout the history of the church who say that the great mark of a Christian is humility, 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 like over and over, you know. So, and so the, just realizing you're not going to be able to just sit down with, with a Bible as a new believer and go, yeah. I mean, it's simple enough for you to get. I yeah, think. first thing as a believer is not to, to right. run online and yeah. start querying every passage you don't understand. Yeah. That's probably not going to help you or anybody else. Yeah, yeah. Now we have a we have a, a guy who's a member in the church who that's what he does. I mean, he came to faith in Christ and all that. He was, you know, it was Piper and it was all the all these different guys. He's looking up on YouTube and listening to their sermons and all that kind of stuff. That that's great. But then he would also say now, like, oh, the church has been so fundamental in continuing to to stoke the fires and to keep sure. him going and the endurance and discipleship and stuff like that. So I think we see there even in going back to the Acts two passage as, as soon as people. Uh, repented and believed the message, believed the, what, what they had heard from Peter, they were baptized, baptized and then they were added to the number of the church. Absolutely. So they were immediately thrown into the life of the church. And I would just say too, like if you're a new Christian and you visited a church, um, you know, there may be some, some, some understandable apprehensiveness on the part of someone to actually come up to the guy who just preached or whatever it is sure. and say, hey, I'm a new Christian. And so like, I would really like to sit down and talk about whatever, uh, how, how to get going in, in all of this. What do I need to do next steps? And I'll just encourage that person to, to do it, do it. Yeah. And then <laughs> yeah. I have a, I have a, a, yeah. a, a thing for the pastor to do after that, but maybe that's a, a future okay. question. So we'll get there. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, age wise, George, I'm a younger Christian. Mm-hmm. How should I be thinking about a program of discipleship long term? Okay. Um, I'd say this does start impinging on the habits um, of, of developing just good habits um, that may look for some, it's going to be, you know, a regular set aside time for scripture reading yeah. uh, for prayer um, for fasting, uh, corporate worship or private worship yeah. and, or that's actually a more, more and than it is. And, or yeah. um, stewardship uh, journaling that, that one may be not, you know, you're not going to find scripture telling you to journal, but uh, I can't think of a, a person who hasn't benefited from it. Sure. Not everybody's going to sustain it. I find it actually really hard to journal as much as I would like, um, even just with daily life stuff. But yeah. but still, I, I see the benefit. Those are all things you can kind of take a broad 
and just say, all of those will help. Um, yeah. And then if you can combine that with connecting each of those in ways that are both personal and corporate, um, I think you've set a lot of framework for building a, a, a discipleship that will last over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. so spiritual disciplines. Yeah. Trying to, trying to learn about that. And then diving into body life. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think. Yeah, this answers another question probably later down mm-hmm. that I was kind of not yeah. bringing. But mm-hmm. yeah, you start having, you know, like, I think I know, you know, I've been discipled. Where, where, what's next? Mm-hmm. Well, really is then about ministry. Because mm-hmm. if you think you've kind of reached the apex of discipleship, do ministry yeah. together with people and you find it's the same thing, you know, the, it, the way Paul puts it is, you know, you, you want to know whether or not you should marry, you know, do ministry. That's really kind of the, the, where you learn about a person in such a way that you would know whether or not you should be seeking, mm-hmm. you know, to, to be married. I think mm-hmm. the same way, if you're, you know, dealing with discipleship, it's really fleshed out in, in ministry. Mm-hmm. So not just, you know, me doing my thing, but me doing body work in body. Yeah. And again, I think we have to just kind of, again, it's not to, it is not to, um, to, to marginalize more individualistic ideas of discipleship. Sure. But it's also to, to broaden our understanding of discipleship. I think biblically to understand, like, I mean, you, you immerse yourself into the life of a congregation, into a life, the, the life of a church, and discipleship is going to be happening. Again, it's not just in corporate worship, but, uh, or the things that we organize for for structured Bible teaching or, or whatever it is, but just like even coming over to our our home, you know, um, and, and being able to spend time with us and us with you, and just having conversation over meals or serving alongside of one another uh, in the clothes closet, what, whatever it is, like discipleship mm-hmm. is happening right there. Where Jesus right. Jesus is alive, you know, He's active, <laughs> and all those things to to build right. up uh, our hearts and our faith. So, yeah, okay. Uh, I'm an older Christian. Uh-huh. Is there ever a time you graduate from discipleship? You age out of discipleship, either being discipled or discipling, right? No. no. Okay. <laughs> to, On to the next. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. no, there's no <laughs> even way. even if you're a minister, and that kind of got me to where I was. I was thinking, you know, mm-hmm. even if okay, so I'm the, the young point. believer going to a minister and saying, you know, yeah. hey. You know, will you disciple me? Sometimes the the minister's you know discipled next step is to go. Yeah, I'm going to take you under my wing. Other times, <clears throat> the minister himself is learning. I'm going to direct you to Bob mm-hmm. because Bob needs to know what it's like to disciple somebody, and he he hasn't quite had that experience, yeah. or he needs to work on that. Or it would just actually benefit the body if. I direct you to this person who has some similar life experience with you. And so even in that regard, you can have a minister who's perfectly well capable of discipling, yeah. needing to learn by involving other members of the body. That's mm-hmm. a learning experience for them too. That's discipling mm-hmm. them um, to have to push it off to somebody else, somebody who may make mistakes and, and even, you know, not, you know, know as well what they're doing. Then it's a learning experience where not only that, now the minister is getting to disciple a new discipler who hasn't done it before they're learning. So there's so many, it's never, uh, well, we've yeah. reached the apex and there's no more discipling to do because we're all still continually mm-hmm. becoming more like Christ. Mm-hmm. Basically saying we're done with discipleship would say, 
I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm Christ. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there is a penchant in us, right, to be to become prideful. Like as we Absolutely. as we get we can get puffed up with knowledge, and mm-hmm. uh, we can begin to think that we have everything figured out. And I, I certainly fall prey to this. Um, but uh, we we got it all figured out, and so we can't be taught anymore. Right. Right. We we, we lose the uh, humility, uh, a godly sense of humility, and we lose our teachability. And so um, I think that's certainly something that pastors need to. To be aware of anyone Cautious. who is who is regularly handling holy things, that that regularity of doing it makes them unfortunately feel like they're less holy. Well, they can get into ruts. Even in doing good things, yeah. they can get in a rut, and then they come across a new mm-hmm. a, a person dealing with a different experience mm-hmm. or set of, of circumstances. And mm-hmm. if they, it's the you know yeah every if if you have you know a hammer, everything becomes a, a nail kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah, they need to grow as well. So yeah, well, I, I, I've heard I believe it was Paul Washer talk about the old prophet syndrome, mm-hmm. where again the guy's been through. He, he's taught for so long. He's been through so many battles for the Lord. He's won so many battles for the Lord. He's lost, but he's been through it, right? And he gets to a point where yeah. he's like, like old Elijah, you know, or Eli. Yeah, sorry, I'm the only one, not Elijah. Oh, Eli, okay. Eli, and and he's <laughs> he, he grows blind, you know, yeah. like he's he's dim to the glory of Christ. Because he and he feels like he's gotten to a place where he's just on top of the mountain and and he can't be taught anymore. Right. You know, uh, so uh, a couple of things I think of there: Paul and Peter. Paul again, he's he's saying this is the great, the, you know, the writer of Romans, the great apostle Paul. Um, he he is. He says in First uh, Corinthians thirteen, we we all still see dimly. You know, uh-huh. so even Paul saying, I, I, I'm a dim seer. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and then Peter at the very end of his life, what's his what's his exhortation? What is the the la- the last words of Peter are keep on yeah. growing in the grace and knowledge of Christ. Sure. So that's at the end of his yeah. life. I mean, Paul has expressed almost the same thing, basically yeah. saying, you know, uh, praying for um, the Ephesians to you know develop that you know full expression, full understanding, depth, width, height of. of Christ's mm-hmm. love, mm-hmm. and if yeah, if, yep. we're, if we ever come to where we can totally grasp all of that, then yeah, our, what are we saying about ourselves? <laughs> right, exactly. Okay, I am new to this church, George. Uh, I don't know anybody. What do I do? Walk up to someone. <laughs> Start. I mean, that's that's easier said than done. <laughs> I'm actually your I am quite introverted myself. <laughs> Walking up to a new person Me is also. actually fairly difficult. The next step from that is do ministry. Uh, it is get in life, get involved with the life of the body in whatever elements you can, um, and through those you'll develop those relationships. Um, yeah. I, I think that's the real problem is if we don't get involved in ministry, we don't get involved in the life of the body. Mm-hmm. Waiting for somebody to approach us. Mm-hmm. We end up feeling like, well, somebody should have come to me. And it becomes very me-focused. Yeah. Understandable, but yeah. it's our culture. Um, On the flip side of that, an encouragement to the members of the Mount Church. Absolutely. Uh, to, to go up to folks that you don't know and introduce yourselves and try your best to carry a conversation. <laughs> and yep. Just to, to check in on people and get to know them. Uh, that is that is one thing that we can continue to to try to strive and be good at doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I agree. Uh, just uh, if you're if you're new to to a certain church, you don't know anybody. Get to know people, and and you do well to to be brave. <laughs> you know, if bravery is necessary, and uh, and go and talk to people who seem to be leaders. You know. Sure. And uh, let them begin to to talk to you about 
you know, uh, a process of discipleship and some of the things that are offered at the church uh, to grow to grow you in Christ and and maybe even kind of um, you know turn you in one direction or another to, to one person or another. Yeah, I was about to say, be, be ready for them to yeah. go. Hey, I'm not going to do it myself, but you know, I know somebody who would be a good fit for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, which is all again a call to our to to our church to to make yourself available for that. Mm-hmm. Which I think I'm going to get to here in just a second. Probably. But, uh, so, um, <clears throat> okay, here's another one, George. Uh, no one seems to have time to disciple me. What do I do? I think I've already hit on this, but I, I, again, I think ministry here is the the real. So this is uh, especially if you've already become part of the body. You've already been, you know, sort of entered into that fellowship. Ministry is is the right thing here. Um, one, I, I think part of the question is a little bit leading in that it's really not about, well, I have to have this fixed one-on-one relationship yeah. or even I don't have to be in a small right. group and that be my small group and yeah. this ownership kind of element. It really is lived out in um, regularly in worship, worshiping with the body of Christ. Um, I'm finding opportunities to serve and then interact with those I'm serving yeah. with. Um, focusing on those one-on-one connections in that way is yeah. itself discipleship. Mm-hmm. Um, barring that, say you just it, watch, yeah. watch people, right. learn character, yeah. learn how you know. Actually, build up some of those questions. Like you won't know that you have a question about. Well, how do you? You know, I, I really admire what that person does and how how holy they appear. Yeah. Well, how do they get there? Well, just watch. And then if, if watching isn't enough, then you have to ask a question, you know, what is it? Do you, you know, do you read your Bible 15 mm-hmm. minutes in the morning? Um, do you pray, you know, a certain amount of time each day? Do you yeah. take breaks throughout the day? Mm-hmm. Do you have a regular fasting habit? Do you, how do you interact with people? And uh, so I say, start with watching and then move on to asking questions to back up what you've seen. Yeah. To your point on watching again, Philippians chapter three, uh, Hebrews, Hebrews 13, it says to set your eyes on the leaders mm-hmm. and then imitate, imitate, uh, what you see in them. Yep. Uh, a lot of times we, we love to talk about lifestyle evangelism. Sure. Right. But maybe not as much lifestyle discipleship. And- to, to argue, to argue my, my <laughs> evangelist or my, uh, discipleship professor, it was essentially evangelism is sort of pre discipleship. It's, same process, different audience. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, <clears throat> again, sometimes we we have to broaden our understanding of discipleship. We think of discipleship, it's one-on-one, you and right. me, right here. We have open Bibles. We do not have a cup of coffee, although, or tea or whatever, but that would be nice. That would be we, nice. We do not have that, but that's what we think of when we think of discipleship. Nice, tranquil, peaceful. Fixed set of questions. Yeah. Yep, and, and this back and forth. But maybe we need to broaden it to, okay, Listen, there are some people who are willing to be around you. They may not be able to sit down with you over coffee or tea and an open Bible, but they will are happy to have you in their home and you can fold clothes with them. Mm-hmm. You know, and as you do that or take care of the kids with them or whatever it is, as you're doing that, you are being discipled. Right? You're seeing how a Christian woman or a Christian man, a, a father or a mother or a husband and a wife, how they're interacting with each other. Under that biblical worldview, right? Christ is in them. And so they're, you're seeing that. You're laying eyes on that. And so I just think I'm that, that talking part of it. Husband and wives or parents to their children. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the discipling that is happening there, because yeah. you can disciple good, bad, but a lot of the discipling is not sitting down with them and having a conversation. Hey, yeah. do you believe this? It is, well, I saw how 
dad responded to yes. mom when this happened yeah. or the wife going, you know, I see you serving diligently. That yeah. makes me respond in this way. Yeah. That's discipleship as much as That's it is exactly if you're right. sitting in front of a Bible. So yeah, very, very uh, much more often I think is, is the testimony. I, I, I saw them do this. Right. Right. And, and so and it, it, it impacted me much more than, I heard them teach this. <laughs> it was impactful for me, although both yeah. of those. Of course, the teaching came God in willing. because hopefully we, we acquired yeah. the habits and the, 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 the ways we're responding to one another, godly habits, after diligent reflection on the scriptures. So, yeah. yeah. George, does every Christian need to be discipling and be being discipled? I say and or. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, I mean... Yes, ultimately, it's going to be a yes. Um, there may be times where, because of issues we're going through, we need intense di- discipleship poured into us, mm-hmm. and we're not at a, in the capacity where we're really able to disciple, at least especially in the one-on-one sense. Um, but we are still modeling Christian character even then. Yeah. Um, so it still behooves us to, you know... Uh, exercise our bodies for godliness and by doing that we are then discipling other people who are still watching mm-hmm. um we we never really get in this state where you know just spiritual apathy we're no longer an example um yeah. and so that may draw other people to disciple us because we're you know heading in the wrong direction and it also hopefully is encouraging to us that you know people are always watching yeah right <clears throat> that's right well it's good to kind of hear that we're discipling one way or the other, either for ill or for good. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. uh, the goal, of course, is to be discipling well and, and faithfully and biblically. Uh, there probably is a, 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 an occasion in which maybe a, a believer is just uh, under so much um, strain. Maybe it's suffering. Uh, maybe it's sin. Correct. And they, they, they probably need to um, be discipled, yeah. but not necessarily Again, this gets back into that formal, informal, you know, they probably don't need to be in a role where, you know, they're, they're taking on somebody like, Hey, let me guide you. Right. But still, even in their maybe dealing with sin, they can be discipling people, good or bad, because people can be looking at that and going. They're dealing with sin in a, in a, in a repenting way. People can be watching that and and responding well (laughs) to it. So. Right. Okay. What roles do affinity and diversity play in discipling? Oh, good and bad. I mean, it can be really great to find people that you're really closely connected with, like you have an affinity for them and it really just fits. We both like motorcycles. We both like reading. We both like popples. I don't don't know. Yeah, we're the same age. We have some similar Similar background circumstances. Mm -hmm. Um, That could be good. That can also be rut forming. So sometimes it's... Well, I need that. Yeah, yeah blinders. It can, you know, it can put. It can leave blinders off that need to be pulled off. Correct. Right. So uh, good and bad. I mean, at least that's affinity. Um, diversity. Uh, good and bad. We can crave diversity so yeah. much that we reject people who are right next to us, who God has put in our path. Yeah. Um, ultimately, usually diversity is is a good thing because we yeah. get it broken out of our molds. It's not no surprise that you know people talk about um, how you know seeing a foreign country can kind of make you aware of how limited your experience is. People don't always answer the same questions the same way. And so diversity is usually, usually I would say often a very good thing. Um, It can be running after diversity for its own sake. 
yeah. that can cause some problems sometimes yeah. in discipleship. Instead of just edifying people in Christ. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The one I, I, we're actually going to be in Titus this week and um, the passage that I've been looking at this morning uh, right there in Titus 2, you know, uh, Paul is telling uh, Titus to, to tell the older men to take aside the young men. Yep. And to and to teach them. And he's telling yep. the older women to take aside the younger women. Mm-hmm. So you have the, the ages there happening where it's not just like young men, young women stay with young men and young women. Right. But be interactive uh, with the whole body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's not just diversity in a like a cultural sense or an ethnic sense or right, right, right. whatever it is, but even in just in a, an age sense or an economic sense, whatever whatever it is. No, absolutely. But just some kind of diversity um, here again, old and younger. Um, because at the end of the day, all right. If you have old men, older men, older women in the church, ideally, uh, they have experienced more. There's, um, there's both um, wisdom Christ and, and experience. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that is advantageous for younger believers. It also helps those older, more wise people to realize when they've yes. gotten into a rut yeah, and aren't exactly. letting God actually speak mm-hmm. th- fully. Yeah, that's good. That's good. All right. As it relates to children, how do parents and church collaborate in discipleship? In much the same way as a church provides a framework for evangelism, not by setting aside programs, but by being a place where a person knows if they bring their children or they bring a friend that that friend will hear the gospel in one way or another. Um, That's ultimately it. So, I mean, we don't, you know, it's not about a church has to have just this awesome children's program that draws, you know, Bus loads from every, but it, right. it has to consistently share the gospel in a way that a right. parent knows when, when I bring, I will be, what I have taught at home will then be backed up in church. Yeah. Right. Well, I just think that, that, that churches really need to be able to train parents. Oh, for sure. To train their kids, but they're also not being intrusive upon uh, ultimately, chiefly intrusive on on uh, you know the, the parents' turf there, right? God has given parents to children, children to parents, sure. and there's a responsibility there in the home that they be discipling or evangelizing and and discipling uh, their children, right? And sure. the church is coming alongside of parents to to equip them for doing that well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's that's something again you mentioned, um, you know, just. Uh, maybe parents are, hey, let's go to this church because um, they they have all these great things. It's Disney World. Right. You know, it's Disney World there, and our kids are going to really have a good time. <laughs> right. And they're not thinking less about good time and more about godliness, which is right. the goal. <laughs> right. It is faith in Christ and a developing godliness. Yeah. And, and how that should be driving. Yeah. Even when it's not fun, yeah. it can often be, it could be that it's not, the problem isn't fun. The problem is it's completely moralistic. Yeah. I mean, that's a potential yeah. that they go and they're hearing all the right things. The, the, you know, the cultural ethic is being, yeah. but it's still gospelless. So it could be totally fun and moralistic and still miss out on gospel. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Finally, for now. Okay. Uh, any word on developing a culture that disciples or a culture of discipleship in a church? We call it here at the Mount Church, we call it cultivating Christ's community. Mm-hmm. Any any final word on developing that? Know one another well. Don't do it alone. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's not meant to be done alone. So be in each other's homes. Um, invite people. Like 
it, not only if you're needing disciple, you know, to be discipled, are you watching? But if you're mm-hmm. someone who can disciple, be watching, looking for that person who maybe isn't. And if you don't know, maybe just ask. Maybe they're, they're like, no, no, no. Oh, I'm, I'm meeting with you know, I'm meeting with Bruce every other week, and we're we're doing great. Well, well great. But you may find find somebody who who hasn't found you know somebody that they can interact with, or you know, isn't building those connections in the same way. Yeah. So yeah, that, that watchful eye is helpful. Um, and then just stoking the fires in one another, uh, the idea of uh, being encouraging and challenging. Yeah. So encouraging in the real encouraging way where we call people to account and we lift yeah. them up. Um, yeah. both of those things are, can, I think are, are pivotal. They're, yeah. they're something that can't be just put aside and let, let, let somebody else do it because they're better at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think there, there has to be just an intentionality, mm-hmm. like a, a, a regular, um, call from from the elders and uh, the shepherds in the church to to intentionality when it comes to gathering yep gathering as the body but also gathering you know outside of the yep. the corporate worship setting and just being very very intentional about being being with one another and doing so with an open an open bible you know a, sure. a, a goal a desire uh, to grow to grow in Christ. Mm-hmm. And of course for us, and we don't have time to, to break it down here, but for <laughs> us that involves, you know, just things like appointing biblically qualified officers to oversee the church. It, it gets Absolutely. into, um, you know, equipping, uh, every, every member for the work of ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gets into uh, equipping parents for family ministry, family worship, and all these kinds of things are part of cultivating, uh, Christ community or developing a culture of discipleship or a culture that disciples. We had a, we had a family meal after service yesterday and sure. I thought it was one of the best things to hear from, from a few folks, right? That the community at the church is, is something that was distinct and, and different from what mm-hmm. they have experienced before and how that was in effect discipling them, right? Yep. Christ was palpable in the community. Yeah. And so the community or the culture itself being so full of grace and so full of Christ and hopefully in an increasing way right. is itself changing people. Yep. Is itself discipling. Yeah. And and making disciples who make disciples. disciples. Yep. Yeah. So very encouraging to hear. <laughs>